0: Welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by another exciting panel of leaders in the tech space to discuss another intriguing topic. Navigating leadership, strategies for leading diverse, high-performing teams. Now before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also your interests outside of the workplace. Well last, would you like to kick us off?
1: Yeah, thank you, Jake, for the invitation. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Ulas Karadimir. I am currently living in Denmark. I've been living in Denmark for the last 22 years. I am a general manager and chief product officer for Reality OS uh, under Tomorrow Foundation. Uh, my background is mostly around game tech and game engines. I was a uh, Uh, Vice President of Core Engineering, Operations and Graphics for Unity for many years. Uh, Before that, I was uh, part of uh, Hitman franchise. I was uh, also Technical Director for the Glacier Engine and Technical Producer for Hitman Games. It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Valash. Great introduction there. Uh, Galina, would you like to introduce yourself to us?
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you for inviting me here, Jake. So my name is Galina, and I work as an engineering manager in Maersk. I am originally from Russia. I grew up in Russia and uh, did my uh, computer degree back in my hometown. And then... uh, about like 10, 15 years ago, I moved to Denmark uh, to work for Microsoft. So I started my career as a, engineering, uh, a software engineer, and then did like various roles, worked in like various domain, uh, ERP, monitoring, CRM, and um, grew uh, to engineering manager uh, in Microsoft. And then I switched around one and a half year ago to Myersk. And now I am in container shipping in Mayask.
0: Nice. Thanks, Galina. Last but not least, Stefan.
3: Yeah. Thank you for the invitation, Jake. Uh, happy to be here. I am uh, Stefan Johnson. I work as the team lead slash team manager at D4 for our DevOps team, uh, running all everything from installations to error handling of our software. I have a history and background in sysadmin, game development, and uh, foremost management, uh, having a uh, formal education in management and leadership. Uh, I am a local Dane, but I decided to exit the country, so I'm currently living in Sweden, contrary to my two other panelists, um, and um, I'm going to live there for a few more years soaking up the Swedish uh, culture.
0: Amazing. How are you finding Sweden compared to Denmark?
3: Some things are very similar and other things are completely different. Even though it's a 10 minute drive over a bridge, it's a, it's a new world.
1: Nice.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution.
1: We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients
3: and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast.
0: Okay. Well, now we've established a bit of context around each of you. I guess it's a good time to move to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or a statement surrounding the leadership of diverse, high-performing teams. So as usual, we'll go around the room, ask each of you to pose your question and give some context behind it. Or well, last, I think it's best to come to you first.
1: Yeah. My question is about, um, is often it's a misconception. What is, um, what is a high performing team and how we should measure in high performing teams um we look at the productivity first but what is the definition of productivity uh really is and so is it about uh, hard working or is it about the impact so how you differentiate uh, if the team is not hard working but how you're making high impact and a hardworking team maybe not making an impact. So what is the, how do you, how do you think about this? That's my question. Good
2: question. And I think for me in a nutshell, it's about delivering business results. So high performing is, are those that deliver business results, high business results. Um, if, I mean, you can uh, meet every single uh, item on like Dora metrics and be like elite team and deliver, every day or hour, minute production, but something that no one uh, has uh, any use for, I don't think it's a high performance team. Uh, so for me, in a nutshell, high performing team is the team that basically delivers the impact, the business impact. So high impact, uh, not hard working. That would be my answer to that.
1: Maybe I can challenge that a little bit. Um, sure. What if there is no business? What is this is a startup? and. What is it's a, a, a project inside an organization is about innovation. There is no business, like something that we, we don't have like a certainty about the outcome. How would you, what would you do then?
2: I would expect that there is still a goal. So I think it's a question who can decide, uh, define the goal. So in the majority of the teams, it would be business who creates requirements and defines the goal. Maybe you're saying in startup, it would be owner that defines the goal, right? Or it uh, can be... Uh, PTO in some cases to define the goal saying like, I know I need new monitoring system for me. Uh, so whoever defines a goal and then execution against the goal.
1: Okay, but so it means the failure is not an option.
2: That would be actually a good question, right? Saying uh, how much failures you can con- can be considered in high performance team. Uh, I would like everyone has failures, So it should be an option. Probably in a high-performing team, it's not on every
1: deployment, let's say it this way. So what about Stefan, what do you think about that?
3: Um, Well, it's a really good question. Um, And uh, when we talk about established companies, it's easier. We have a goal. We're goal-oriented. We have um, a structure of managers and leaders that, that specifies the goals, so it's easier to adhere to What is the impact we want our department to have? Um, Are we allowed to fail in in the structured environment? Well, how do we counter failure? Is it when we don't deliver what the customers bought for us, uh, is it allowed to make mistakes? We, in a development operation now, at the department as we have, we do also error handling, meaning that our software failed in some way, or when we installed and configured it for the customer, there was a mismatch between expectations and what we delivered. So we, we handle failure in the shape of, we learn from it and then we build on it. But in a startup, I think it was, as as Kalina said, it's 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 harder to find the goals, but it should still be defined. If you have no goals, you don't know what which directions to run in. And I've experienced that also. I think as you have to when you run companies, then you just started doing a lot of hard work, but it has no impact, uh, which is which is draining because. Any person who works really hard but doesn't see an effect of their work gets demoralized. Um, And you exhaust yourself in running in every direction. So uh, goals, 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 that's what we currently work with here. And we do work on some other topics called gray hours. Um, You do uh, an assignment for a customer. They pay for that in hours, two, five, six hours, however long it takes but then you didn't do your job well enough or there's a failure or miscommunication, whatever it might be, and you have four more hours of repair that you cannot invoice the customer, how do you minimize that So having that higher impact with less uh, rollback or three hours that comes into that expenditure that comes with it.
0: I think there's some good perspectives there already, you know, um, Galena coming from uh, Maersk, which is, a, which is a huge company as we all know. Um, Olash, you've got some more kind of startup experience in there, your current company now, you're scaling up massively. Um, So it is really interesting to see the different perspectives on your question. Do you have anything to add on on what the guys have said so far? Any other points? What's your opinion?
1: Uh, These are all valid answers and I think uh, it's, I I think one of the interesting thing is that um, when we look from, uh, we often look for an answer, you know, uh, like in school that the teachers ask and there's an answer, right? Uh, I think the big difference from, education to real work is that it's not that easy, right? There's there's timing, Uh, there's so many multiple factors goes in like market readiness, market conditions, customer readiness, uh, their expectations, team expectations is often it's a alignment of expectation game actually Uh, is rather than I mean, goals are important. Of course, Uh, I think we all aim to create uh, smart goals and we work towards that. But as a manager, uh, most of the time is spent around alignment of expectations. If you expect more from your teams, you might gain uh, momentum and uh, delivery on the short term, but you might uh, lose commitment and enthusiasm and ownership on the long term. And if you deliver subpar products uh, because you want to get to the market very fast, that might be sometimes beneficial for you to cut uh, cut the competition, but sometimes that could be also disastrous if you you, you ship something low quality. So it is a lot of, uh, it's a game of expectations. Um, mm. I think we sometimes too focus on saying there's an answer for it, but I think there's a million attributes and variables goes into the picture.
0: That's a very nice way to, to round your question up there. I think there's not much... I could add on that certainly. I mean, you guys are the, the ones that are living and breathing it. Great point there, with uh, the it, it's kind of it depends. Um, I've, I think is what is what the the takeaway is on that one. Um, Galina, I think you also have a question to present to the guys.
2: Yes, sure. And my question is related uh, to hiring, like hiring for high performance team, high performing teams. Um, what develop both the soft skills and hard skills, uh what soft skills to, to look for if the goal is high performing team. Huh?
1: So should I go first to answer this Go one? for it. I'm Jump in. in. <laughs> I think hiring people is, uh, is the the core of it, right? Uh if you have the, have the right people, like for us as the managers, leaders, less to do. But uh more we do means we make bad <laughs> hires. You know, it's very, very uh, important. Um the I, I look at from two perspective. Number one is that um, I think there is um, there's three skills that is very important for in a technology company. Number one is um, an ability to gather information, being able to curiously asking a person should be asking questions and is capability to to get to the answers like information gathering. Then there's a the competency that uh, that person being able to execute on a task, right? That's super important. That is, is skill level on programming, um, and thirdly is the dependency management. So how he communicate with the people around them, how he align expectation with others, with the managers, and things like that. So I'd like, and then also the you know the, the dependency management also means the the humor that comes into it, and then the way he approached uh, other people around them. So because that's also part of being a part of a team. So information gathering is um, I think when I hire people that I really like the people that who have quick answers and thinks they know everything is often really bad hires that you're looking for people that are curious because they don't know your company. They actually uh, asking questions and trying to learn and they show it in the interview that they're willing to learn new things. If they're coming with a kind of a mindset of I know it all I just want to come and teach everybody else that means you that's not a person that you want to add to your team, because it will just create, will, you know, break the balance. And from the competency, I think it's very important that I think there was Tom DeMarco said it, that if you hire a juggler to a circus, you don't do an interview, you give them balls and let them juggle. So I think it's very, very important to do a technical interview, actually giving them a task and let them to solve it. And this should not be a long thing, it should be very like small thing that someone can solve in half an hour, but it should be around the the problem-solving skills that you would like to see in the job. On from the dependency side, management, I think is like um, when you look for someone you need to know what team you're going to put them in. Like if you have a lot of risk takers and a lot of people that is like this divide and conquer approach, you might balance that team with someone a little bit more in the communicative skills and someone who risk aware. If you have a team that is a lot of risk aware people that always see the problems that's going to happen. So you would like to probably add a team team member to that this little bit more divide conquer, more risk, uh, risk taker to balance it out the team. Uh, so that's also important when you're looking for the dependency um, management style, the skill set as well. There's more to that, but let me just um, stop here. Ben, uh, <laughs> this is a great question. I mean, how no, the, is the, the most, like the most important thing.
0: Yeah, it's a great, some great insights, uh, at Olash. And I'm sure Stefan has got something to say before we can maybe even jump back to you and you can add some more on that.
3: Yeah, sure um i was following along what you said Ules, and I, I agree with the uh, with um, the with, with most of it actually um there is two parts like the hard and the soft skills and when we talk about testing them for their technical expertise or their development expertise or something like that, that's just more of the harder skills and and in in my experience and also the the philosophy i follow is, is hiring by attitude i would much Rather prefer hiring the right person for the job. Um, they might be lacking in some technical skills, but I can always teach them, or we can teach them. If- of course if we want to if we have the investment if we have the time we can teach them we can teach them how to approach our uh, software or how we work and sometimes it's actually preferable that they might have lower levels of skills because then we can mold them in in our way because uh, it's usually very context oriented what you need and what business needs there is for the, the role so with the soft skills, we really, really look at the entire person. Is this person, like you said, um, do they take ownership of an assignment? If they get stuck, are they the people going out hunting the information? Are they asking their colleagues? Um, and to that end, we, when I have a, a interview with uh, with potential new employees, I always bring at least one uh, from the team that they are engaged going to engage with so they also have a t- chance to sign off on the employee we are hiring. And usually when we do two levels of interviews, like we do the first and then the second one, then we switch out the employee on the second one. So at least two members of the team have sort of signed off um, creating this ownership and, and responsibility. Hey, there's a new team member entering. We already seen the person, we know it. They can kind of recognize a colleague on the first day. So we already established the, the team dynamics from from, from the beginning. And yeah, we're looking at who are you as a person. Um, are you a person who's going to fit into our teams? My team is, is very much dependent on cooperation and interdependent technicians. Um, so we don't have to, if I have to micromanage technical solutions, I think we all been there. If there's too much of a drain on the management team, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to work out. So, so we really focus on hiring the right person. And then I much prefer to work with somebody that has low or sometimes none of the skills I need, but they are the right person for the job. And I've hired people before who had zero IT knowledge to sit in the technical department just because I knew I had the capacity to teach them what they needed to know. So that's very important for me. Um, specifically, soft skills for Glenn, your question is very much communication Temperament, conflict negotiation, something I always ask about. What was your latest conflict? How did you handle it? How did you engage with the people? Because that tells a lot about a person, how they react to yeah, anything that happens. We just talked about failure before and we have a lot of failures. We talk about failure every day, but we don't talk it in the sense that we need to punish somebody. It's just okay, we failed. How do we make it better tomorrow? So you need to fit into that mentality, at least with
1: with us here okay Psst. I think oh, one thing to add to Stefan right on like when I say about the I'd say like when I say about the technical skills and mm-hmm. doing a, a technical interview or making a like a you know test about this it, like it's not about the test should not be about knowledge as should be about skill as a developer, right? It's a problem solving test. So yeah. it's not a, uh, giving them a, hey, do you need to write something in JavaScript or you need to write something in C++? It's just like, give them a, a problem they can solve in pseudocode, right? Uh, mm. But how they approach the problem solving is not that um, you know, uh, how how they think about that. And one other interesting thing, I think maybe could be helpful to the listeners, that there's something that um, many years ago, a friend of mine told me, so I just borrowed this question from, from him. And I really like this question. So I start the interview by not asking questions. I asked the interview, so what kind of questions I should ask for you to show your skills? And, and that's really turn around the conversation uh, because now the, instead of they worrying about, because what happens when I ask questions, they are trying to lead me to the questions that they would like to answer. Now I actually lead them from the front and just like, tell me, what should I ask you? So you can talk about your skills that you are, Proud of, or you do would like to highlight. And starting like this is really set into uh, creating opportunity for hiring as something someone diverse candidate. We talk about like someone that is different than us, you know, because as we interview, we have a tendency with our biases to lead the conversation into some areas that looking for the right candidate. But let them be the candidate themselves and let them shine through the interview by giving them the opportunity to lead the interview. I think it is also uh, for me is very very important
0: interesting stuff guys and Galina it's a great question you've opened a bit of a rabbit hole here and you've caused some some very interesting opinions to be to be kind of brought to the table what do you think of both Stefan's and Olash's opinions
2: yeah I think a lot of great things have been mentioned and uh, I love that approach and interview I I made a note like I need to think how I can do the interviews this way as well like really awesome uh, stuff here and like, because I also think hiring is a core, right? So that's what okay. you say. It's, it's uh, the, the most important decisions to some extent that you made on a, a daily basis. Um, and um, I think we all here kind of agree that uh, look. Uh, <laughs> Uh, We are not looking for exact, like probably technical skills, or really looking for exact technical skills. It's really more, even if it's hard skills, it's more about problem solving and like approaches. Um, And I think a lot of uh, great soft skills have been mentioned uh, already, and I'm definitely also looking for for them. I think what more I'm also looking at, especially thinking about like high performing teams, is um, I'm looking for people who uh, can work autonomously, and uh, uh, I'm looking for decision making skills uh, so that uh, um, it depends a lot on the level that you hire that's for sure but I think uh, on any level pretty much in if you want to have like a self autonomy th- team that uh, does great work and delivers a lot of results they should be empowered to make their own decisions. So they should have also soft skills to do that. Um, worst case is that, like, you know, you come to you for every single question, right? So they, they, we definitely want to empower them to do. And that's one additional kind of thing that I'm also looking at when I'm hiring for such things.
0: Nice. Anything to add there, guys?
3: Well, I I, uh, I agree with both Ulas and Galina. It's, it's um yeah we, we it's, a, it's a huge rabbit hole we jump down and there's so many things we do in so many different ways. I like uh, Ulas's idea also. I, I, I think we'll try that next time. <laughs> um having them be the um the, the the person they need to be for us. Because you're right, it, we are very much set in looking for that person we want them to be, and they have to fit the mold, instead of trying to to accommodate uh, different different people that we not necessarily naturally look for. Yeah, we and I also like to add to, to listeners that that um, asking unexpected questions has a really telling effect because you can uh, you can also gauge how people try to answer an unexpected event, uh, and that we have a lot of those in IT. So it's quite important to to see that reaction yeah do you have
0: an example of, a, of an unexpected question any chance Stefan sorry to put you on the spot like that but i'm just thinking of some of the interviews i had when i when i left uni and the actual the question i got asked from evolution the company i work for right now actually was uh, just as the interview was wrapping up um if you were a biscuit what biscuit would you be and why <laughs> And that was an unexpected, unexpected question for me so i'm just curious to, to what unexpected questions you you ask
3: something like that i if you're speaking with a, with an english uh, possible in project for example ask uh, how tall is big ben like how how do you know how, who who knows this <laughs> unless you're a historian about it i can
1: uh, try to ask you one question that it could be really uh unexpected uh, should i try? go for it yeah try i say i i will ask i haven't asked this for a long time but i used to ask this question i say if you're working on something and, and you find a problem and you come and told me about this problem you know that this is a serious business uh, circumstances of this problem but I, I completely ignore you and i'm your direct manager what would you do
0: it's a great question um i think if you were my boss the relationship that we have um i think if i asked him and and he ignored me i would take the initiative and and do try and crack on myself maybe with some support of some of my talented colleagues um that would probably be my approach but then again i might have just uh not got the job with you. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: so I mean, well, I'm not in not interview got the mode. The job with me, though, that's the, that's the part of it because I might just be oversided and I might not have the information. And you pushing it through can make me to realize that you care about this, so I will engage more, right? Uh, and you know, as we humans, we we as managers, we make a lot of mistakes as well. We have busy days, and we might just they say don't need don't, no. It's not a problem, and I uh, say then. Maybe it's a problem, but the, the person should be able to passionately follow through and say, hey, this is a problem, but uh, you want that person to be because I mean, like, they, you know, employees often think and I was one. I, also, I used to be one of my earliest my career is that you want managers to see everything, all the good things you do, and ignore all the bad things you do, right? Uh, that's the general expectation. So you've constantly failing them. You know, <laughs> But once they get a little bit, uh, you know, experience, and they realize that you don't know so much, so <laughs> uh, and they they speak up more and tell you more and guide you more, and you also create a space for them to to do that, right?
2: I completely agree with Jake here, right? and that's also what I mentioned before. Like I am looking for decision making skills and for autonomy. So in this case, I would definitely would look for an answer. And I myself will give an answer that, uh, yeah, like go for it right to solve the problem find someone else who can help if help is needed um raise it but don't drop the ball don't pretend that okay then you know hide it under the carpet and forget about
3: it no no but responsibility too and 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 actually also conflict handling that's uh, like how do you it's a potential conflict between you and the employee how do they handle it Uh, that's why we always ask about how 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 are you handling conflicts? What is your role? Are you are you a diplomat? Do you pull back? Do you push forward? Are you argumentative? It's really important to to see, uh, and also for us as managers to create the space where this is allowed, because the more space we can create, the uh, the more independent men- uh, uh, employees we will have, people who will do things, consult us maybe, uh, inform us even better, uh, but we don't have to make all the decisions for them, which is um, part of the next question, I guess You get my question. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh yeah, go I mean you might as well go for it. There's no point beating around it. Yeah, yeah. Of, <laughs> stop teasing us and let's just get get into your question.
3: Yeah, so what I asked was like, what are some of the challenges of leading a team or a high-performing team uh, with members that are so highly skilled, usually more than us as managers, because we we simply don't have the time to follow current tech or even our own tech, Um, and how do we we navigate that as managers and leaders with employees that that knows more about the software or the program or the, the job that we are asked to facilitate, lead? manage
1: that's a great question and uh, I have a whole <laughs> long answer for this but it's, uh, I'll try to keep it short as Michael see um, I will start with an anecdote um, I think it was the Real Madrid was playing against I think Manchester United and they were winning and they asked Mourinho so like what do you think about Ronaldo missed the kick and he said like you know do you guys think I can teach Ronaldo how to kick the ball right uh, but that's not my job Um, So I see the more of from the job as a manager is not the skill is not is the more the um, the tactics about the business how we how we how we solve uh, and create opportunities for the teams and and set them up right and make sure that they are actually um, executing to their best um, best capabilities. You know there's one um, you know I've been working in games and there's one thing about games and sport and all the games in common, there's uh, four things is the every game or uh, every sport and game always, uh, always start with a purpose. So they explain you how you win the game. Right. That's the number one thing that they tell you when you show up on a pitch or any kind of start. You ask how I win this. Right, has to be clear. That's the purpose. Second thing is that if you're doing the right things, is often somebody counts it or is it short on a dashboard? There's some kind of a feedback if you're doing the right things. Um, and if you play, you were looking forward to get better. Like your skills are getting better, so you want to do more. right? And then lastly, you want to have autonomy. You would like to decide. You don't want somebody to tell you, then it doesn't become a sport of a game. It's become more of a... So if you take those four principles, I think um, for manager it's very important to create a place where you have ex- you explain your team how to win the game. It's so important, like giving you a strong purpose and explain them how they're winning. And then you need to sh- make sure that you have the data and then the feedback, of some kind of outside external measurements to show them that they're winning, so they can actually do the right things. Then you create a, by retrospective and continuous feedback. You create a culture of you know they feel like they're getting better and they create opportunity for learning and courses and areas that they weaknesses, but they feel like they need to. And then lastly, you need to keep the autonomy. Uh, you never take the autonomy away. The moment that you decide and, and stop uh, being a service, but deciding you taking ownership and you can take ownership when it's emergency for great uh, defense, for example, to, you know, to, because you, you are about to, you know, uh, you need to be disciplined it's important to do that, but not always. So you need to give that autonomy to the people. Sorry for the long answer, but uh, like uh, that's, uh, Good answer. that's how, how, we, how I do it.
0: It's a great answer. Galina, go for it.
2: Yeah, and I completely agree with that, right? So about autonomy, I also mentioned today. And uh, overall, like for management... Uh, like the main idea is to empower everyone to do their best performance and to learn to become the best experts in their field and in which people want to be and then really for the manager to set like the goals, to, to make the goals clear and vision clear. Like you had a great example with the game. Uh, it's, uh, like uh, I, lo- I loved it, right? All of that is about goals and vision setting. And then definitely just make sure that your experts know the goals, know the vision, are empowered to make the decisions. And uh, that's how we hopefully can make them happy and uh yeah have a hype
3: to team yeah. yeah to build on the question uh, that's really, really i agree with both of you It's really good uh, answers um, there are also uh, the question of the power dynamic um, we i've sometimes experienced managers who are reluctant to admit that they don't know as much uh, as their subject matter experts or whatever we call them and and that sometimes Oftentimes creates a conflict where the manager will try to enforce policies or ideas, Little, kind of like the same thing that was talked about hiring the wrong person if they want to come and teach instead of listening, um, because it's also about a trust relationship. Um, uh, for here, from where I stand for, I, I I need to be able to trust my employees to give me the best information so they can trust me to make the best decision. And that's something I, I explicitly tell them and, and it's about the expectations we also talked about earlier. Um, setting the expectations from the start, you need to be my expert, I will steer the boat but you need to tell me which way we're going to sail uh, or how we're going to sail uh, the boat more, more exactly. So yeah, uh, I agree with you. But uh, creating that environment can sometimes be a challenge in regards to who are you hiring, what are the personalities, do they respect you when you basically say, I don't know, what do you think? Uh, is that is that okay today as a manager to say, or what do you guys think?
1: I I you know I have a, I have a concept for this. Um, I like when I am there is like you haven't seen this kind of a behavior where I would call it the underdog and a versus champion. You know, so underdogs just want to well, like difficult things and want to show them that they can achieve great things by proving you that they can work hard and, you know, make sure that you recognize this there. And then it's a great story. And all of us as a kind of an underdog because the, we have the skills of, you know, uh, achieving the people here. they. So we like that story, you know. We like the underdogs. We like the, like you know, all about underdogs, right? There's like great stories in in, in film and literature about underdog story, and not often about champions, right? Uh, the cha- champions are established people. They have resources around them, and the fighting in like in boxing, like most of the time the champions won, right? The majority of the time, there, there it's so rare that the um, Underdogs wins uh, because that when they win we make a story out of it, right? But a champion mindset is they see the people around them as resources. They are not fighting against them, or they're not trying to show them that they can do great work by just suffering. Champions look to people around them as a resource that so they can work with to be, you know, to do more, right? That is a there's a different mindset. Um, I look at someone like. A, like this is a masseur, this is my PRs, this is my finance guy, this is my, you know, if in the company, like I see people around them it's just not as obstacles, but I see them as people there, and they are there to be also successful. So I can how can I use these people? How can I use my lead? How can I use my finance guy? How can I be a HR guy? How can I use my designer? QA is not there for to annoy you, but how can I get the best out of these people? That's a champion mindset. And and if we get this champion mindset people into the organizations, then you get a lot of more momentum because everybody starts using the resources efficiently in the organization. But the moment that you put an underdog and an underdog in a great, great big company will suck the information, will not share it, will try to prove himself and will not work for the team, but will try to be a high performing employee, but not a high performing team member. We see these examples in basketball, in you know, different sports, we see like, for many years, uh, I love Phil Jackson from Chicago Bulls in the 90s, when I was growing up, you had the Michael Jordan, but he convinced him to play for the team, and then you start him winning championship, so he stopped being, trying to be the best player, he started p- p- becoming a player that wins titles, and, and create a legacy, right? Um, So I think it's important to have this we are great mentality rather than I'm great and everybody else sucks mentality, you know, and I go to sometimes very like um, the West South Bleed uh, high-performing guys and they tell you, hey, I have all the answers, but nobody listens to me. And I said, why don't I listen to you? Because they're idiots. And then you know that you have an underdog.
0: (laughs) That's a great point. And how do you mitigate the underdog then? How do you kind of keep it to a minimum? If that's what you, your aim is.
1: Yeah. I mean, my uh, my often what I do is just like I tell them about what they can achieve if they work together. So you need to create a vision and then you also you can take those people and give them a test that they cannot be successful alone. Right. You give them a, a responsibility. Um, Uh, Funny thing, we actually have this on the multiplayer games as well. That you have this achievers, killers, socializers, and uh, uh, was explorers type of behaviors. The the Bartle model. Uh, So it it also happens in the companies that there are some people that just want to win, but they also want others to lose. So it's very important for them not just winning, but seeing that who is not successful. Uh, And they are very quick, very smart people, very good experts, right? but the moment that you assign them, they're saying that I'm not gonna look at your success, I'm gonna look at the project success. And in order to be successful, you need to motivate the other guys to be on your team and you need to do this, this. So when you tell them the the bigger scope, and now their focus just goes from internal because they wanna win. So they're just looking like, okay, now I am responsible to make sure that, okay, he's looking at me, the tomorrow is good. So they've also tried putting energy to those things. It's like but you need to set that expectation and that expectation just like individual but on the team level to those people
0: yeah and essentially provide a incentive for for the teamwork and the a disincentive for people to be so like selfish in the information that they have and
1: i think defining finding success is like not on the like you need to define success for those individuals not on the singular level but on the team level and making them to be responsible for that that's the key here um, okay.
0: Yeah, and just a follow up question I had surrounding one of the points you made earlier. Um, you mentioned, you know, Jose Mourinho, and he, he he was a. I'm a big football fan myself, so I can't let this this one slide. <laughs> but he he, did, he wouldn't tell um, Ronaldo to to sh- to shoot the ball, um, which is I thought was a great analogy. But. That, with that being said, Jose Mourinho was a, well, to a certain extent, he did play football at a good level for for a long period of time. He played in the Portuguese second division. So does that mean that, that managers in your space need to have at least had some hands-on experience with the technologies that they are managing for? I know we've kind of touched on this before in the conversation, but if you'd kind of humor me and, and maybe give me some co- more context to that question.
1: Yeah, I can um, you definitely I think one of the most annoying things for every startup founder or everyone who works with a, a board that or coming up and try to explain something very complex and and not being technically technical, but trying to make things understandable. And they will like to understand they start asking you questions and you find yourself in a situation where you become technical, and then you lose the audience. Then you ask yourself the questions. So what am I really trying to do here, right? (laughs) So I'm trying to make them to understand at the same time they're interested in because I make it simple. But now they're asking questions. Now it's going to make you know different. So I think it's really important that a level of understanding on the technical side is very, very crucially important. And if you don't have that understanding, so you need to really uh, trust the employee that doing the right decision. The moment that you start doubting about them, their abilities or asking questions that show any kind of mistrust, it will because trust is binary, you either trust or not, you cannot just you cannot mingle between those two things. So the moment that you go past that kind of a, oh, well, tell me more about this. I would like to know, what are you gonna do here? And then the person knows that you don't know, that's where you're passing to the, the, the other zone of not trusting. So that's very important. So either stay on the trust zone and then believe them they're making the right decisions, but that's really crucial.
0: Okay, so it's like, have, have that baseline of knowledge or have the employees that you know have the baseline, have all the knowledge and just trust those and there's no in between really. Okay. I agree.
3: Sense. I agree that trust is binary and it is either on and off and it's something that it's really crucial for managers in my field, at uh, least as from my perspective, I need to trust that I get the best advice or the best technical advice from my experts. Uh, and I have also been uh, seeing other people and I think also myself a few times being the presenter of ideas that is not mine. And 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 the key here, I think the key takeaway here is that it's okay to delegate in the strip of I might be the better talker, but I'm not the heavy tech, technical one. And you combine it. I usually bring up my technical expert with me so they can field technical questions. I can take the presentation, I can make it look good. I can invite people in for the discussion. And then I have the heavy technical expertise locked in an employee. And also this employee also feels validated, trusted and included in the project. They're usually also going to handle later on. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great point. Galina, do you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, I agree with all of that. Uh, and uh, like maybe we started with Stefan' question, right? So having um, subject matter experts and experts in some areas in your team, that's actually, I think, something that every manager is looking for, like uh, for high-performing teams. And then uh, uh, if uh, like it really to like narrow it down, Jake, like your question would be like then if you have your team of subject matter experts, uh, then... Can you have like zero technical knowledge or do you still need to have some baseline there? And I do think, I have seen successes actually with managers that like are not technical with zero ones, but I think it's harder and it's much more rare. So some base knowledge definitely helps there. Um, but one way or another, like after some time and uh, maybe not even after some like, always in the team like the best setup is when more or less every technical area that the team is responsible for there is someone in the team who knows better than the manager like all the details
1: let me add something controversial. not a controversial but kind of a different um a slightly um, a different point here um you know as leaders um one of the the moments of epiphany is that uh, like being a leader also accepting that your incompetency. Uh, So being incompetent means that I wanna achieve great things, but I'm incompetent to do it myself. So I need other people. So unless I have other people, uh, I will not be successful. So that realization is super important when you are leading a high performing team, because without that, if you try pretend that you are you know more than your team or trying to be open about the things that you don't have information and that's just break the trust to the team. So it's like you first need to accept that hey, I am incompetent to solve this alone. I need people and I need to work with people and they need to lead the way. And I'm here, I will contribute, I will make sure, I have this role. Uh, but it's like the moment that you start trying to be like ego is the enemy, right? If the if ego comes front of this, and is, if it's become about how they see you, if this is your focus, then that means you will not have a high performing team. You will have a team that is as good as you. But if you have a high performing team, you do you need to let them to be more than you, what you can accomplish and what you can do. I think it's um, often a fallen trap is that uh, we as leaders we we. We put our egos uh, and then the moment we get rid of them then magic happens
3: agree sometimes we we feel inclined to be the best managers or leaders we can be but how is that defined what is our goals are they defined by our uh, upper management to deliver on certain metrics and is that what we want to do uh, time and time again we see managers force their way into a team uh, have them do it their way so they can show off the correct numbers. But in the meantime, they break the team, they break the morale. They, they, they end up costing later down the line for short-term gains just because, well, to use the other word we before they are the underdog managers, right? They, they know best, um, but curving the eco and realizing that when your team performs, that's a much better reflection on you as a manager. And in that regard, I, I would say that it doesn't really matter your background if you have the skills to be the, the leader uh, the manager. I know that's maybe a bit controversial, but I, a really good manager, it doesn't ma- matter what field they go into, they should be able to to build that trust and have the experts um, in that field support them. We are also we also the, the best ones to clear away administrative hurdles um not having the right tools and um, getting the correct financing we are, we are we are the people who are the facilitators of the, the high performing teams and that's something we did in my perspective we need to remember
0: amazing is anybody got anything to add on that no okay well i think personally that's a, a great way to to wrap things up if you've not got any more rabbit holes to, but i want to add
1: something jake so now you said go it, for so maybe it. the last thing uh, yeah go for I, it i think um because this is like, uh, I got, uh, for many years, I was a very data oriented person, I look at facts and facts only. Uh, but then I realized that the, the world is not about facts, because everybody facts are different. So I look at, uh, I also start looking into emotions of people. Uh, and I think that's where I find my um, kind of a recipe for uh, as building teams. Uh, and also, I want to mention about that because I think uh, there's a, so much emphasis around data and facts. Mm-hmm. And humans, we are irrational and we make irrational decisions, irrational actions, and that happens all the time. So uh, I, I I cannot let it go before I mention these things because I think it's, it's as important as the things we talked about it. Um, I think there is, we often share four emotions uh, in an organization. And these are anxiety, anger, uh, joy, and passion. Uh, And and anxiety comes from mostly from unknowns. Like if there is, uh, if the lack of information around, people feel anxious. And, and if there is a secrecy about the information there's no transparency, it creates anxiety inside the organization. And no matter what you do, you can you have no commitment because people will not commit to think that they don't know about it. So, and I think there is it's very important that this transparency of information in the organization where everybody can reach to the, the data, the information they need to do their work. And then you also need to manage that, the, you know, the gossips and the backdoor conversations is, is you address them quickly, so that you don't create this anxiety. Another one is the frustrations and you and it's easy to collect this information just doing retrospectives, like looking into not the data what they're saying, why they're saying what they're saying, right. And I think the second one is the frustration and anger, and it's often come from misalignment of expectations. And Employees are often not so good at telling their expectations. They just, uh, they have expectations, but they don't tell you. So you need to find a way to listen to their expectation and create a channel so that you can align the organization. Top management, easy to listen. They always tell you what they expect, but the bottom up like uh, is very difficult. And but listening, doing one-on-ones, asking them, making it personal, and then listening to what they're saying what the expectations and trying to align to that expectation is super crucial for reducing frustration um, that could be sometimes just addressing things right hey we're not going to do anything about that you know somebody said to me hey what are we going to do about time zones and i say we're not going to do anything about that because i cannot control the sun neither the earth so that's going to be here <laughs> forever like addressing those things is so important and then lastly Fun. I think it's very important to celebrate, uh, and 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 you know, good good companies make a lot of parties, and bad companies make a lot of beatings. You know, uh, so it's very important to celebrate success uh, and show them that you can have fun in the work. And the lastly, is the passion is just like giving them the space to learn, giving them the space to experiment, giving them the space to love what they're doing for the employees, no matter what the, who they are, what they do. Even like your kitchen, they should experiment about making new food. And it's okay. You know, your you know, your lawyer should make experiments about using new chat GBT or whatever it is. Like giving them the space to be passionate about their work is so important. So I do I need to say this because I think it's as <laughs> important as the data and the facts.
0: No, honestly it's great. I I love kind of I love it when people jump in and, and add points and I mean just on that, is it? Is anybody else got any points they'd like to add?
3: That's really inspiring, um, and I like I like the whole thing. <laughs> um, just very down to earth, practical, um, especially for like a technical department as ours at the DevOps teams. Um, we live in cases issues tickets this mistake that mistake and we take it as with a smile we take it with a, with as much pers- positivity as we can but um, what we found out here locally is us is that the the feedback also sometimes has to be positive so praise we have a huge focus on praise, praising people for what they do. And especially when it comes with a, a from a colleague. So what we do is that every Friday we try to, as well as it's make a party. We have our daily stand up. I think many people can relate to that and we have it late on Friday. So the last thing we do after having our stand up is we go around and each employee in the team gets to pick another colleague for that week to have something specific to praise them for. So the last words you exited the building with on a Friday is a praise from your colleague, not just your boss, but from your colleague. And so it makes it much more fun to come back on Monday.
1: Great way of uh, doing this, I love it. Yeah, and I think
0: it's a key theme in this conversation is communication. Really, and, and what that leads to if it's done effectively, like you said, there, lash with the transparency at the start of the conversation with when the the manager uh, needs to kind of take accountability and put his hands up and say, hire the experts to do the expert's job. They're a lot smarter than me.
1: And sometimes it's just instead of telling somebody that they're failing and telling their expectation in the a positive way, hey, I expect this from you, you can do this. Is much more effective than criticizing someone, and because that just kills the humor. And you know, so it's just turn, turning that conversation positive, inspiring, and setting up. I expect more, and I can do. You can do this. Okay.
0: Nice. Well, guys, I think that's that's an excellent way to to wrap things up. I think we've we've covered a lot of insightful stuff, and uh, I think this panel could could go on all day about some of the things we spoke about. So uh, I do really appreciate all of you for for giving your opinions. Just before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks again to the guests. They uh, made the conversation really fun and insightful. Galina, Stefan, and Olash um just one more note before we end if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on the podcast in the future drop me a message on linkedin and jake stamp or you can find me on email jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com thanks again to you guests for joining me and thanks for listening at home